Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode of Sound Reasoning, I wanted to discuss the topic, the nature of God, the nature of God. In other words, what does the Bible say about God internally? What are the scriptures saying about the God that we worship, that we serve, that we believe in and that we follow and pray to? In Isaiah 55, 8, 9, the Bible says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Isaiah 55 and 8. Then Psalms 121 verses 3 and 4 says, He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Then in Luke 12 verses 6 through 7, we have these in the scriptures. Are not five small birds sold for two small pieces of money? God does not forget even one of the birds. God knows how many hairs you have on your head. Do not be afraid. You are worth more than many small birds. Luke 12, 6 through 7. Then we have Genesis 22. Verses 15 through 17, that says the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Genesis 12, 15 through 17. So from all of these texts, from all of these scriptures, we can ascertain, we can uh, understand that God is wholly other. There is no one like God. Our attitude that we have concerning God ultimately influences the way that we worship. It influences the way that we read our Bibles. It influences the way we develop relationships. What we believe about God influences the way we handle our finite finances. It influences the way we plan our future events. It influences the way that we dress or how we speak to one another, as well as every other aspect of our existence. The reality uh, is uh, long before we were created, God indeed had a plan for us. So we were born as sinners, according to uh, Romans 3.10. And we were destined for eternal punishment. 
So as sinners, many of our views concerning God while we was out in the world were skewed. For example, many times I've heard uh, people refer to God as the uh, man in the sky or the man upstairs. Some believe that God saved them, but has allowed them to run their own affairs. And that is called deism. Uh, the deists believe that indeed uh, there is a God. There's a God who created the universe. There's a God that created the earth, but he's left us to run our own lives. So God played his part by winding up the toy and not the toy is uh, walking on his own or running by itself. And that's how some people view uh, the human God relationship. They believe that God set things in motion and now he's left us to run it. And that's the essence of deism. While others believe that God is restricted in his knowledge, that God is restricted in his knowledge. And these people argue that God doesn't know what's going to happen in the future unless we do it. So again, I'm just trying to share with you what others believe about God. So in other words, uh, these various views are uh, examples and are uh, arguments that we as Christians have to be prepared to confront and to respond to these different uh, views concerning God. For first Peter 315 tells us that we should always be ready to give each man an answer or reason for the hope that lies within us with gentleness and respect. Now uh, we, as we're talking about God, we have those uh, that embrace the notion of a transcendent being, but have a blurred view of the authentic God due to syncretism. And what syncretism is, is the combination of ungodly teachings or ungodly cost, uh, customs that have been uh, coupled with biblical uh, accepted doctrines or customs. So it's blended. Uh, the best way to explain this is if the gospel was deposited into a, a culture uh, that was foreign to Christianity and these people uh, profess to have accepted Christ, but yet have things that they do within that particular culture that is blatantly against scripture, but yet they have formed a doctrine where it's susceptible to have both uh, biblical authenticated uh, cultural norms, which is coupled with some of the other traditions or acts that are inconsistent or rather contradictory to the scripture. But so they do it both and they, and they mix it up. And that's what syncretism is. Uh, it's a mixture of accepted biblical actions coupled with uh, non-accepted biblical actions. So we need to be careful. God is not uh, one that invites or accept syncretism. So with such, or so many divergent views. 
it's very important that Christians give a clear understanding of who God is. For if Christians don't give an accurate picture of who God is, then who else will do it? Certainly the devil himself will not paint an accurate picture of who God is. So God has us to represent him and to let other people know who he is, what he's preaching and the boundaries that he set for all of humanity. So God has asked us or rather commanded us or rather commissioned us to stand up and to educate others about who he is for what we believe about God uh, impacts our lives and uh, radically influences our behavior. So you may be asking yourself, some of us, why does all of this matter? Or perhaps you may believe that we are simply uh, splitting hairs and making a mountain out of a molehill. Why am I spending so much time talking about the nature of God? Some of you all may be thinking, as uh, long as you believe in God, that's really it. As long as you say you're a Christian, that's it. Well, I hope that through this episode, you would understand that uh, God is interested in us having an authentic view of who he is and not who we think he is necessarily. The fact is that truth still matters to God. He does not permit us as his children to make statements about him that is inconsistent with who he really is. God believes in the correspondence view of truth. And as we've stated numerous times before in previous episodes, truth is telling something like it is, or it is that which correspond to its object. Isaiah 45 verses five through six accurately uh, depicts the correspondence view of truth. And the uh, writer penned this from uh, reporting about God's view of who he is in relationship in relation to uh, his people. God writes, I am the Lord. Through Isaiah, God gives this uh, prophetic word or utterance. I am the Lord and there is no other apart from me. There is no God. I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me. So that from the rising of the sun to the place of the setting, people may know that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is no other. Isaiah 45, 5 through 6. And this passage is clear. God is telling his people that he is the authentic God. And beside him, there is no other God. Even though other civilizations may have God, even though other places may worship Baal, they are not to follow after these other gods. They are to worship God alone, for God has already told them that he's a jealous God. Then in Acts 17 and 24, God who made the world, all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. So to say that God was fashioned from human beings 
is not the same as saying that uh, no, nobody created God. God has always existed. So those two statements are contradictory. God, again, believes in the correspondence view of truth. And he has given us a picture of who he is through the scriptures. He has given us information about his ways. He has given us information about his characteristics. He's given us information about his attributes and knowing who the authentic God of the Bible is would radically change your life for the better. Knowing the perimeters that we can draw based on what God has prescribed to us will help all of us in living a more abundant life. Again, it is crucial that all believers have this sober and accurate view of God. The God that we profess to love and the God that we profess to worship. Our view of God, again, dictates how we conduct ourselves. Jesus himself taught extensively about the correspondent view of truth versus the relative view of truth. Let's listen to Jesus. He says, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Matthew 7, 15 through 16. And not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles. And then I would declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. So again, this is the first episode of the nature of God. And my hope is that all of you get a grip and get an authentic view of who God is for God is totally and holy other. And we must worship him with in reverence and we must worship him uh, in his authenticity. We must worship him with an accurate view of who he is for, for that matters. For if I believe in a God who allows me to do what I want to do, then that is exemplified in my life. I will go to church on Sunday and outside of church, I'm causing all types of issues. I'm causing all types of strife. People can't get along with me. I'm saying things that are contradictory. I'm professing one thing and doing another. So with a skewed view of God, my life will ultimately become skewed with a, a blurry view of God. My actions in a lot of ways will become inconsistent. So it's important that we have an accurate biblical sound view of the God that we worship for God is not going to change his ways. And if we don't step up to the plate and conform to his ways, God is certainly not going to conform to our ways. So it's important that all of us have a biblical and accurate view of who God is. So I know in the church, oftentimes we throw around different words, uh, church words that many of us 
regurgitate many of us uh, restate, but we have a little understanding of what some of these words mean. So it's my hope that as we go through this lesson dealing with the nature of God, that you take some of these terms and digest it, meditate on it, pray on it, make sure that you fully understand what these terms represent. The first word I would like to introduce is uh, a word uh, that many of us have not heard within the churches or within our local church. And it's the word Asaiti, A-S-E-I-T-Y, A-S-E-I-T-Y. And Asaiti basically says that God does not owe his existence to no one else. He is self-existing. He, he's always been Alpha and Omega. God does not owe his existence to anyone or anything else. God is not a contingent being like us. We as human beings, we need God. He is the one that supplies the air for us. He's the one that uh, takes care of nature so we can have food to eat. God is our supplier. He's our sustainer and we can't live without him. But conversely, God doesn't need us. God is totally self-existent. He, 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 he owes his existence to no one. He's always existed. And that's uh, something that scripture teaches that he is alpha and omega beginning and end. God, nobody created God. God has always existed. Then uh, the term omnipotent. God is all powerful. God uh, can do Whatever he wants to do outside of anything that is contradictory to his nature. So God uh, has all power. God is all power. Well, when, when you talk about power, that is God's nature. God, that's God's essence. He's all powerful. Uh, one evidence of God's supernatural power is reality in terms of uh, the creation of the earth, the creation of the universe. That to me is the greatest miracle of all time is the creation of the earth, the creation of the universe. When God created the universe, that to me is the greatest miracle of all time. That is demonstration of God's omnipotence. And then as we fast forward from the creation to the resurrection, that to me is uh, the re resurrection is the second uh, uh, greatest miracle in the sense that um, Jesus getting up with all power in his hands, as well as uh, the, the, the framing of the cre of the new creation. And then as we fast forward to Jesus, uh, the, the, the creation of uh, the, the new glorified body that we all uh, can look forward to. Uh, just like he, uh, he ushered in the uh, age of humanity and, and, and the age of, of human beings being self-aware, he came down to earth and he gave us a new prescription that through him, we should all have abundant life that through him, that we should all be quickened and through him that we should all receive a new body. So when, uh, the time comes and this body uh, that we have now, uh, when the corruptible gives away to the incorruptible, we all will be given our new 
glorified body. And it's all due to God's omnipotence, uh, God uh, power, God's ability to uh, do whatever he wants to do based on his will and based on his nature. And then we say that God is omniscient, meaning that he knows everything. There's nothing that's done in this earth that God is not cognizant of. There's nothing that we've done in secret that God was not aware of. Just because the Lord allowed us to go through that transgression doesn't mean he condoned it. So even though uh, God sees everything, sometimes we act like he doesn't know. He knows. And the reason why he wants us to repent and pray to him is not for God's benefit, but it's for our benefit that we are to pray and we are to repent. We're the ones uh, with the uh, conscience that uh, that won't allow us to sleep. And the only person that can give us a peace of mind from the transgressions or the sin that we committed is the one who set the standard is the one who is the rule for governing behavior. And that's God. So I pray that as as we go through these lessons concerning God's attribute, that we think about how wonderful he is, how great he is, how merciful he is, and uh, that he's love. And then on the same side of love is justice for we love to talk about God's love, but nobody like to brag about his justice. And the thing about God's justice is God is always fair. God is always fair. And beyond that, he is gracious. He is gracious. He I'm thankful that he did not give me what I deserved. God is is, is a loving God. But yet on the same side, he loves us so much. The Bible says that he's our father, that we're not fatherless. And uh, he is not a father that will. Uh, not ch- uh, chasing us or punish us. He is a father who loves us so much that he will punish us. For he says that uh, a, a, a father that does not uh, chastise his son or daughter is it's a father that is not displaying ultimate love. So God said he loves us so much that he chastens us. So God is not only uh, omnipresent, he's not only uh, omniscient. He's not only om- omnipotent. Uh, God is immutable. So he's omnipresent, meaning he's everywhere at all times, not taking up any spatial dimensions. Yet he is actively working in all places due to his sustaining of creation. God is everywhere, but yet nowhere in the sense that he is not physically taking up any spatial space, but yet he is so phenomenal that uh even though god is uh nowhere physically he's everywhere in the sense that he's sustaining us as well as creation so it's my hope that you get you got something from today's episode regarding the biblical view of god and what our response ought to be in worshiping him so join us next time as we continue the nature of God. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. 
Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. The content we feed our minds will eventually show up in our lives. If we feed our minds the lies and confusion of this world, our lives will begin to reflect worldliness. But if we feed our minds the truth of the gospel, our lives will start to reflect the heart and character of Jesus. I'm John Stonge, and each week I host the Dwell on These Things podcast, where we take a deep look at the Word of God and learn what it means to apply it to our lives. We don't skip difficult passages, and we don't gloss over the truth. If you're looking for a show that will put your mind in a better place and help you understand God's Word with more clarity, you can listen to the Dwell on These Things podcast at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.